Welcome to the Muscle Nerd Podcast, presented by Lifters League, bringing real science to the strength community. Introducing your host, Gus Cook, head powerlifting coach of Lifters League, strength athlete, physicist, educator, and entrepreneur. Welcome to the Muscle Nerd Podcast. This is Gus Cook, head coach of Lifters League, and today we have Leonie and Brayden. Hi, um, it's Leonie here again, um, strength coach and assistant manager at, at Lifters League. Hey guys, how are you going? Brayden, uh, assistant strength coach. And today, the topic of the day is, well we're actually going to episode two of the athlete management, and the topic is goal setting. Um, so there's a lot more complex. We have, we've had a big discussion before we started the podcast, and you know the complexity of setting a goal was far more in depth than um, than just picking a random number. I feel like wanting to be. I feel like I want to be lean. I want to be losing weight. Um, the way we pick goals and how to make those goals successful, um, there's quite a bit of science behind it. So let's first off let's look at, at the fundamentals of goal setting and some goal science. So this is more uh, psychology, Leone's expertise, so she'll be um, driving uh, most of the conversation. And um, so let's start off, we wanted to talk about, first off, types of goals. So Leone, can you yep. discuss types of goals and, and what they yep. are? So this is, I think, touches on why goal setting is so complex. Um, there's a couple of, well, there's the types of goals. So couple that I'll touch on today will be one that we call a non-zero goal um, and just a little bit of a definition on a non-zero goal would be a goal that encompasses the welfare of others besides yourself and these generally promote and complete life satisfaction. Um, then there's the other type of goal which is the opposite is called a zero-sum goal and basically this is a goal where the actions are committed to your own desires essentially. They don't have any um, they don't affect anybody else around you in a, in a positive manner or sometimes negative. It's just that it's all basically for yourself. And it's important to have both, right? Yeah. So they're saying that, like from some of the articles I was reading, um, they were saying that, you know, you it's good to have both. They both have a place. But if you are goal setting and you continually are having goals that are based off the zero sum, which is where you it's always to your own desires despite others um then generally the your life satisfaction your overall fulfillment fulfillment will actually be um low i think we've had i feel like i've had a few people who have come through like that they make some successful athletes but generally they have a very they always seem to have a um, always having issues yeah. when it comes to their own yeah life. to life 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 um, with how they interact at work how they um, sustain relationships, even relationships with themselves. They have a lot of um, issues. Uh, and that inevitably fails. Psychology. That yep. inevitably fails in their training. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So you see people doing very successful, and then being so focused on zero sum goals, they end up affecting their training. Yeah. Yeah. The other type, which I think ties into what we were just discussing then about non-zero goals versus zero sum goals, and having a balance where probably more so than not, the goals are based on the welfare of yourself plus others would be intrinsic and extrinsic goals. So intrinsics, um, they're based around building relationships, longer lasting relationships with yourself 
and others. And then extrinsic goals are more just, you know, to be with the catchphrase, fame and fortune. So um, the outcome of that has no uh, effect on your own relationship with yourself or others. It's just basically a materialistic thing that, or a, a very unemotional, tan, you know, tangible thing that you can achieve. So it might be, you know, um, what would be a good example? Maybe I, I earn a lot, like how much you earn in your job, but at the cost that you might not actually have a life. You might not actually have relate, healthy relationships with, with people now, in your day-to-day life. Isn't um, intrinsic, intrinsic and extrinsic goal, goals similar to uh, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation? Um, I'd say they have a connection. They are, they, they are two distinct things. So goals is actually something you can actually um, achieve. Intrinsic and extrinsic motivation will be driving factors to why you'd want to achieve such a thing. So obviously intrinsic goals generally uh, promote more that intrinsic motivation, whereas the extrinsic extrinsic goals, sorry, don't necessarily promote that um, intrinsic motivation or have, driving force. Do you have uh, training examples so the listeners can relate to their training when it comes to intrinsic goals and extrinsic goals? I would say, um, what would be a good one to use? I think we were talking before and, and like, I don't know if it sort of ties in as well, but like, for example, if you had a bodybuilder that had to compete on stage, when it gets down to that final week, um, well, that's a bit of a hard one too, isn't it? There'd be a bit of both in that. Mm. I'm trying to think of one actually. I'm a little bit- like hit a PB to outlift somebody else as opposed to trying to do it to better yourself. Like, you know what I mean? More competitive sort of, I'm not doing this because I want to do this for myself. I just want to beat this guy over here. So I don't like him. So maybe another, make a training. Difference? In a way, maybe another way to put it would be, um, maybe when you have incongruency with like your behaviors and with what you actually want to achieve, that might be a result of where you don't have exactly an intrinsic and an extrinsic um goal comparison if that makes sense so like if you were saying if someone was saying i want to be like for example i want to weigh 60 kilos on the scales which is would be classes like an extrinsic gold um but intrinsically um they're unhappy you know like they can't perform the behaviors um having to eat X amount of calories, you know, or starve themselves to get that 60 kilos. They feel like crap. They're not socializing. They're taking themselves away from other people because they can't be around other food to control themselves. Like maybe that might be an example yeah, of so an extrinsic to an intrinsic sort of type gold. Um, they want to they want to be 60 kilos, but really they want to look better, but they can't overcome the idea of wanting to lose weight. And then the process of wanting to make a change or lose lose weight. Um, or to look better is that they have to eat better, eat more, train. Sometimes, a lot of mild times, training less because people have a habit of training seven days a week where three to four days a week of weight training is going to um, make your body composition vastly superior. Yeah. Um, okay, so we just before we started this, we listened to a TED Talk. Um, uh, what was the acronym? There was the OKRs. 
okay now it's objectives objective and objectives and key results so the objectives and key results you want to talk about this you know the better you better way of putting it to so basically um they one sentence they started the the whole speak the whole ted talk off with which i wrote down which i thought made great sense it was the right goals for the right reasons um which i think touched a little bit before when i was talking about having congruent language and behaviors with why you're doing what you do and then he goes into things which Gus has said then objectives and key results so he wrote down objectives being the direction so the what you know and then the key results being the how we get it done so would something be like it, w- it would the key results be something you do as you know your short-term goals if you have a big yeah. goal like my because we our biggest plans will do so like a four-year plan if my four-year plan is to you know, compete at I want to compete at big dogs you know um, your key the key results would be to achieve a number total yep. we'll be seeing over over a period of time and that can be broken down to smaller and smaller goals yep I would call them almost like markers I guess you know you know if you're achieving you know your set little totals or things that you need to have completed along the way if you're ticking them along your way then you know you're heading in the direction towards your goal I think they use the example with, and I don't think I use the example of a total they use the example of the amount of users they wanted to to achieve if I said they say I want to achieve a certain total if I set my objective to hit a 900 total and didn't hit it then you're able to assess um, why and then make and then set the next year's target whether it would be the same or even higher so the key results are always consistent that you needed to achieve the outcome you needed to change the, the, the total the total needs to be stronger so what are the other things so my this time year round when I'm doing pro or again I've really got my next things in place um, I've got a strategy for eating more this time rather than the way I was doing it last time um, and so the outcome or the, the key results are still the same the way the process I'm doing it is different to try and have better execution of that is that something Yep, that sounds pretty much along the lines of what I was thinking. Um, I think the mark, the key results are a good good tool as well along the way of assessing um, what we are talking about before, you know, intrinsic, extrinsic, motivations, um, keep checking in, like, is everything you're doing at these at these key points, are, the, are these, how you get it done, is this what you want to do, is this getting what you want? So there are little things along the way that you can keep assessing refining um to get to that overall to keep in line with your overall objective the reason why you're heading in that direction does that make sense yeah so now to start to start off with with before you'd even consider taking on a client and establishing their goals we'll have to establish our goals because what our goals do will help determine how we will approach their goals and because we try in this business we have we have a we have a a purpose. We have a purpose on, um, and uh, we have systems on how we want, how we want to achieve things, with certain values, um, and this also, uh, with our, with obviously with us having a purpose and goal, it gives the clients a sense of something that they belong to. Would you put? Would you say it that way? That they have a, a community or or something that they're a part of. Yeah. Not like you know, I know when you build a business, you want to have employees that feel like they're part of part of something they're part of a purpose like the people who work at you know I've always would have loved I would have, I would have loved to work for 
um, someone like space, like Elon, you know, SpaceX, and those people love their job because they have a big purpose, you know, colonize Mars. So it's such a massive, massive, massive goal. And people have a purpose for doing that, and it's, you know, we don't have something as great as that, but, um, uh, you know, we want to be the best powerlifting gym we can be, or the best powerlifting gym in Australia, and. Um, and under that comes many objectives. We need we need culture. We need teams. We need purpose. We need things that people want to be a part of. And doing that, and I, I, especially with our powerlifting team, um, because we have a very strong sense of community, that gives them a lot of purpose to keep going. And that follows down to the network of support we're going to um, cover later. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Our goal when it comes to approaching someone is, you know, we want to take a, you know, we want to achieve athletic outcomes and we want to do this as a scientific based, a science based approach. And we execute this via, you know, strength training and sports nutrition with a specialty in powerlifting. Now, the method we use to achieve the, to achieve these goals are under um, sports sports specific um, research or sport specific fields or dysentery systems. So rather than looking at clinical nutrition, which is, but we would still take things from the clinical nutrition that will assist in people's health and well-being, we focus most of our efforts on sports nutrition for athletic outcomes. Again, there's the method that we're using. We use strength and conditioning, sports psychology, sports medicine, sports rehab, sports therapy, um, and compared to clinical application, which they're um, looking at uh, applications applications to you know, clinical use of, of the general population which most of them are sick and unhealthy wanting to get better we're looking at people who first off we want to make them healthy so we would may use a clinical approach but then from then on in once we have this foundation we want to look in at um, athletic application you know um, for the goal so this is it's important that we know what method we're doing, what our goal is, because it is the driving driving method of how we execute an individual's goal. Then we set priorities. Now these priorities change, um, but there's only two priorities that we have: is performance, performance, and health. And you know both both come under, both are very like related. So you know in health we still focus on exercise and healthy body composition. A performance-based body composition will be someone wanting to perform on a bodybuilding stage. All right, it is no longer it's no longer healthy. You want to be healthy, have a healthy body composition, right? Because to get rid of a lot of health, uh, um, um, uh, bad health mark, bad health markers, you you you're better off having a healthier body composition, being lower in body fat. Um, performance-based is looking at uh, putting someone for an extreme performance-based goal for body composition is putting someone on stage. Um, so when we focus on health, focus on performance, we focus on health for people who definitely are new or people who first, basically anyone we take in first, that we will understand that the foundations of their health is optimal because that'll, first off, help control as many variables as possible because if they're as healthy as possible, none of them are going to should, should influence performance-based goals. Then when we transition, so say someone like Bo or people who, who are highly competitive, performance will come first and it will sacrifice the health. If I decide to use health as my goal, um, then she will not be as strong as she possibly could. You know, it is not healthy for, for her to be eating 5,000 calories a day. 
she is healthier than most shit then should be healthier than most people but the goal is performance so we sacrifice and in the many other areas too many many other areas not just food but many areas where you need to have um a driver for what we decide to do with programming and nutrition um and we always start with health first and then we would focus on performance second because competing and performance isn't healthy and that's remember and that's something you should understand um i think we're comparing saying also sports application and um clinical application when it comes to something like sports nutrition and clinical nutrition clinical nutrition is aimed to help make people healthy and make you know sick and dying people healthy where we're looking at making healthy people where in sports nutrition we look at making healthy people or performing athletes make them enhance them now you can't enhance someone who's unhealthy um, because what's going to be a, a performance enhancer for them is simply just being better at the basic shit um, so is there anything any other points on our goal or our routine no the only thing I just sort of was thinking when you were talking then was um, when you talk about our, our priorities being health and performance I'd say that when we have people come in it's, it's always health first and then if they have the, that basis covered then we move like you're saying then move to the performance goal and I think it just goes back to having more of an ethic, eth- ethical responsibility to ensure that we're not doing do any harm. harm to people first well not that we do harm essentially but mm. essentially get them healthy first that's always number one goal and even if, anything else even if it's pure performance goal that is still a better system and rather than going straight for performance if they have underlying issues it will affect their long-term their long-term goal and i think maybe a good one to put on there is not just the physical but i think it's the psychology like the psychology of things too that we touch on when we do this stuff mm-hmm. um, we're gonna definitely cover that soon yeah um, so now let's talk about their goal now we want to turn their subjective goal into an objective goal now generally we don't let them create the objective goal like we talked about before I want to lose weight I want to weigh 60 kilos we want to figure out the why why do you want to lose 60 kilos I want to look better well if they're already say 70 kilos and they are Fairly, they are fairly, fairly strong or active, or let's say they're not strong or active at all. Then we know if their motivation behind this is that they just want to look better, then it may mean nothing to do with cystic kilos. They may need to just um, recomp, you know. And the best way to recomp would be first off, get them to eat better, get them to eat more, get them to exercise right. Um, now, the way we would determine this is based off their history. Now, now for someone who wouldn't have an objective goal, an experienced lifter. If I get an experienced lifter coming in, um, they know, they are more educated. Um, so we act more, we would act more as a consultant, um, something that we able to guide them in the right direction. So if Bo came to me and says, I want to win Kearns, cool. Then we have to try and establish the right processes and goals to get there. And that's a very plausible thing for her to do. And that is something that we, can achieve um, so next thing we would establish is a mission statement so a long-term goal a purpose a why um, what's some examples um, 
So... Johnny, we had recently in... Okay, I've got one. Um, I've got a good example. Um, her goal, essentially, in the long picture, the big picture, is to actually lose some weight for health. Mm. Um, but when we first started, we had to assess... Anyway, I'm moving on, but we had to assess where she was at. And then going back to our first goal of health, I've actually had to set a better foundation for her to have the capacity to lose weight mm-hmm. and for overall longevity and health so that she can maintain that result when we actually get to it. So that so would be motive, an idea. the motive was health. Yeah. Yeah. But she has to, her long term would be weight loss, but we can't actually, we can't actually start that goal right now. We have to build steps to be able to have that as our long term goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would be an example. Um, I would do, I was just say it's like being, uh, being the strongest lifter, like someone like you know, I want to be the um, a competitive lifter in Australia. I want to, um, you know, I want to be a record-breaking athlete. You know, you want to. Uh, those are some, I guess, kind of a, a mission towards something great. And then, what happens after that is we have a tendency for people saying, "I want to just be as strong as possible." I was like, "Oh, but I want to be lean." And then we had this the other had this the other night we had a new client who had an awesome attitude when it came come to strength training. He wanted to be as strong as possible, and that is just was his sole objective. It sounded like until we dug into it a bit further, he goes, "I need to lose weight. I need to lose. I need to be leaner." He's already thirteen percent body fat. He goes, "You don't need to be leaner. You, your purpose is to be strong as possible, and you're letting something like this wanting to be leaner." slow you down now you're new to the sport if we did everything we can to make you as strong as possible and you focused really well on nutrition and eating to perform your body composition will change but over time you'll have a stronger foundation to drop body fat now if you decide to just solely focus on dropping your body fat then that's going to serve no purpose to to your long-term goal of wanting to be strong and you'll live in this infinite cycle of you know, trying to cut, losing strength, being depressed, then trying to get strong again, getting fat, and then trying to cut again. You this infinite up and down cycle, or um, yo-yo, I guess in a different way. You know, kind of yo-yo dieting to constantly gain and lose, gain and lose. All right, when you have to change your mindset towards this, you have to look at the purpose, and then from that, when you break it down, you understand that the execution of short-term goals have to be different. So that's what I stated here. So, so the immediate, um, so this isn't, um, this allows you to see the bigger picture. It will state the execution of your short-term goals. Uh, it can, it can make the short-term goal. It can also, first of all, it can make your short-term goal irrelevant, like you know wanting to compete in a lighter weight class, but they want to be as strong as they want to compete as strong as possible. Will just be as strong as possible. What was the motive behind? Was the motive behind being a lighter weight class? What makes me competitive? Well, then just be competitive. And I've always focused on that with my lifters, and they've always come out on top. Um, if they want to be a lot of weight class because they want to lose weight, well, then just lose weight. Or why do you want to lose weight? I want to look better. Just look better. Right. But don't impede your performance by restricting yourself to an absurd weight class that you might not be able to get down to. Um, and your long term goal can also change the execution of your short term goal, like we just talked about. 
body composition, but wants to wants to change body composition, but wants to be powerlifter. Cool. They are both congruent with each other. They work really well together, but your approach and execution of it has to be different. So understanding the bigger picture allows you to understand the way we're going to processing, the way we're going the, the way we're going to um, do things, the way we're going to the way we're going to set um, key results, etc. So let's talk about the short-term goals. Um, is it really what they want? Most people just look at you have to try, you have to discuss. Is this what they really, is this really what they want? Are they really, really willing to go through what it takes um, to do something? Are they really willing to do what we do, like look after your health first? Yeah, because if someone is just has, who comes in who has constant 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 deficit constant yo-yo dieting that is all they know to break that can be quite um difficult are they willing to to slow down and understand that they need to be healthy to maintain um good consistent progression over an extreme period of time whilst trying to hit short term goals or shorter or more re short realistic term goals first one's like can we be can we look at being healthy first? All right, cool. Can we increase calories over time and focus on training being the driver, changing body composition, um, yeah, etc. Uh, is it plausible? So you had, you had a client who I mentioned the name, um, who had an obs an extreme goal of wanting to be um, um, stronger than basically any other any other person's ever achieved in that weight class. And also wanted to be under nine percent body fat. Then, yeah, yeah, congruency. Yeah, that's an extreme difference because those two goals are so. Um, they're both plausible goals independently, but together, it's not plausible. So then we have to teach a person to be realistic. And some people might not want to accept that, and that's hard. Do you have any insights on this? No, I think. Um we touched on some of that stuff at the start, going on about um, congruency between what people want and then their, and then what they actually do. And this all comes in the short-term goals. So people have a long-term goal, but then their short-term goals um, take away from their ability to move in that direction. So then that comes down to, when I look at that, I, I would measure somebody's congruency between what they actually say they want and then what they're doing in these short-term goals or these steps on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, is it is it giving them or heading them in the direction that they want to go? And then you got those, you mentioned before, they got those people that yo-yo, um, people that never sort of make any sort of significant progress. They just get stuck in these two realms because of what you were just saying then, that some of what they, what they want and what they're doing um, is incongruent and doesn't lead to their um, long-term goal or their mission statement, their purpose of what they're trying to do, what they do. If that makes sense. Yeah. The next step would be then to quantify it. Um, so simple, uh, simple objective values. We have two value. We two. We break into two parts: performance and body composition. And each of them break into individual parts. So performance can. The main performance drivers is we look at your total, which is broken up into squat, bench, and deadlift. Now, these are your core drivers. So we we follow we look at total as a major driver on how we classify lifters. Then you can look at individual lifts, squat, bench, and deadlift, which also is the driver on how we move and how individual body parts would be programmed. Um, um, and then you can break them down into into further parts um, uh, when we're assessing 
you know, glucidability, leg, um, um, hamstring strength, leg strength, all them get broken down, but they pyramid down from the total up. And the main driver is that, and the result of all this, when we work from the bottom of the period pyramid all the way up, is it changing that total? If the total isn't changing, then what you're doing is a waste of time. You know, you, you see all the time in the industry people doing specific things to help to help something. Well, I don't know what they're trying to help. Well, you might see some new therapy technique or new stretch or a new exercise. Um, or you see people who want to talk about you know, maintain some sort of other, some sort of balance, which I don't know what they're trying to balance out, um, but end up not increasing their total. If you don't increase the total, you don't, you know, or, or change the body composition, then it's, it's not doing you any justice. It's not, it's a waste of time. You may make small changes at the bottom, but if it's not carrying up to the next levels, like if doing independent leg movements, um, such as say a split squat and it doesn't in any way carry over to you know um, improving something else that we see such as a glute weakness or in, in the squat or knee move if it doesn't change it then it's always something most of the time it's going to probably change but for reasons as an example is why why how prescribing a certain exercise might not change an aspect of the squat then if it does change the aspect of the squat doesn't doesn't is it improving the squat itself you know if improving some part, strengthening some muscle on there isn't improving the squat, then then is it truly worth doing? Right. If the exercise was, um, if the exercise prevented an injury, then it is worth doing because you've increased the longevity of the squat. In the end, is it improved the squat? Now, does the squat improve in weight and does it improve in total? In the end, you have to be able to somehow link the entire story from bottom, bottom of the pyramid to the top of the pyramid. Now, this is why we start with the highest objective goal, which is total and then look at individual look at the individual numbers now if we're looking say the body composition we've got to break that down into muscle and fat then and then from then on in you can break down even further you know it starts guiding nutritional protocols or um types of types of training that we do that may stimulate muscle muscle growth or change um how do the two relate so a lot of you know increasing total should generally carry over to it's, it's, one, it's a very objective way to um, objective way to prescribe training that will change body composition. So they're not directly proportional, but they are direct. Uh, they they are directly proportional in in a way is that we know if we can get stronger, we can get bigger. Yeah. Um, the whole the whole prep for my show is purely based on getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Never once went oh we should work on this muscle to try and make it look bigger. Yeah. We just say get you as strong as you can build these lifts up, use that as our measurement. Yeah. Look, I won that bodybuilding show, like yeah. completely never worried about certain things, so mm-hmm. it just goes to show. Well, because it has to work up the pyramid. Does your glute band, glute band work? Your glute destroyer, destroyer workouts are improving your strength. And is it a current or is it improving your total body composition? You know, if it's going on both lines, if it improves your total and it improves your body composition, then it's probably a valid, valid exercise to do. But in the same way, that's working from the bottom up. When we're setting a goal, we work from the top down. So let's start with you know choosing what we need to do and then making those things measurable. Um, so quantify it. And it's the coach's job to quantify, not the athlete's job to quantify, because they don't know how much more muscle they need to build to get stronger. You know, someone who has been in a weight class for powerful an example, someone's been in a weight class for a very long time. And hasn't gotten any hasn't gotten any stronger for a long time. Like 
let's say a 70 kilo lifter who does 700 total but wants to be wants an 800 total then maybe it's ready for him to start building an extra five to ten kilos of muscle um, and same goes the other way around if someone's building lots of muscle but not increasing strength then maybe it's time to increase strength so this is how they are um, this is how they work together not directly but indirectly but either way to make the change they both need to change and this makes your training and your prescription of training very objective did you have a point to add no that's all good um oh so the example i wanted to do how to how to use the short-term goal and make it congruent with your long-term goal so we're getting you ready for learning getting you ready for a bodybuilding competition but we decided to break this up into several phases mm -hmm. and not only that those phases also took into account the psychology behind this that we experiences that we learned from last time um so we have set, we have set a short-term goal which is you know the focus is performance the focus is extreme for 12 weeks we're going to get you down to somewhere reasonable and it's only short term all right and then you have Christmas, which is the time to take a break, reverse your way back out and maintain this while we go back into the next phase. Once we've able to maintain a baseline of, you know, say, you know, 14-15%, then we will um, you know, do this by increasing your calories up, working your training, uh, working your training back down, the training volume back down. Um, once you're able to maintain that, then we go again, because you'll have the adaptations that occur to be able to maintain this 15% at a reasonable intensity. Yep. Um, and then we go again. So now we've broken into phases, but you know in 12 weeks time, or less than 12 weeks time now, you get a break. Yeah. Right, and that's Christmas, you know. Um, and I remember last Christmas, um, yeah, pretty stressful Christmas trying to prep. Oh yeah, 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 I prepped. But um, just, I think, I think the, the, the small, the shorter breaks and the taking it in stages allows me to sort of because I have a few other priorities I can't unfortunately in a perfect world this would be my absolute priority um, but I do have a couple other priorities that I that I have to I have to work on managing well to be able to have this gold as a priority as well so the shorter stages allow me to to have points where I can focus and make it more of a priority and let the others sit back for a second and gives me breaks in between that, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. without making it sound like I'm trying to make excuses. Now you, I think you, some people might be thinking, comparing this to what a lot of other people are doing. So like, you know, how do other, how do other, you know, clubs get so many, pump out so many numbers of people? It's like, well, that's what they're doing. They're pumping people out. They're not um, focused on an individual. And I've had a lot of people who come from, I won't name other, other um, bodybuilding specialist places, and they said they were pretty much all in the same stuff it works in the short term but we look at we have our own values you know such as your underlying long-term health a lot of these people come out with and as we've experienced nearly every time um with eating disorders yeah eating disorders body or body dysmorphia yep um which you know they've destroyed their quality of life you know sometimes they get better with us sometimes they don't um um, we always hold to our values and a lot of times they wouldn't do good with us is because a lot of times they can't let go. They can't let go of what um, the ideas that they've done in the past and they always end up wanting to go back to it. 
you know, because it works quickly. Yeah. You know? Our way doesn't work quickly, but it's something that lasts for the rest of your life. And some and in the long term, when it comes to extreme athletic performances, this the way we do it is the method that makes you extremely successful. And I'm talking this is talking with all the all the people we've worked with, this makes you a national, international level competitor. You know, he says, Well, I don't want to be a national level competitor. So like, but the principles are exactly the same. Um, because you're not gonna get anywhere near that. You're just gonna be battling eating disorders, just gonna be battling uh, um, things like that. So this is where we talk about periodization. So this is something that we do very well with athlete management is we spend, actually Fridays today is the day we do um, focus on athlete management and periodization of all our, of all our athletes um, and start mapping out a plan on what is going to, um, what approach or system is going to best work for them. And then we constantly test and try and measure. I think a good thing to point on that on that periodization on our little graph that we have for it is basically setting out all the things we've just gone over now. So we set out the person's mission statement or their goal or what they're trying to achieve. We plan the long picture. So it might be a comp, it might be a, a um, total, it might be a, a body fat percent, it might be some tangible goal like that. Um, and then we the periodization is our little short-term goals that we set along the way so that we have accountability to make sure that we're that person is heading in the direction that they want to and they're hitting the mark, those KRs, along the way. Um, then the next next topic of this is the driving and limiting factors. So you had a, a bit on this um, understanding their situation. First. Yeah, so I think like in part of the initial goal setting phases, when someone comes in and they say like you want, you want to work out a goal for them, um, part of that process is like assessing their, their current situation and some of the things that I look at would be things like limitations, um, resources, and then things like strengths and weaknesses. Um, another one that you could put on there, I guess, would be also, which is not just about assessing current situation, but it falls on the umbrella of assessing as well as determining the gold is, you know, understanding their motivation for that gold. Is it really what they, is it really what they truly desire or what they really want? Um, then we look at um, our priorities, which is something that is a, a driving factor or a limiting factor is what, our, what we're going to prioritise first, performance or health. Um, and if we're focusing on health, then the driving factor of a lot of, this, of a lot of decisions we make is going to be make them a healthier person. Mm. Um, if it's based on performance, then the only objective is to make them win. And that can be a sacrifice of, you know, occurring injuries. We know we have, um, example, Pip dislocated her, what's it called? Sternio, sternio, I can't remember, yeah, sternio, it was a but one. it's SC or something. And it made it really hard to um, squat. Most people would stop because you have to, because he says that the, the, the risk of, a, of it dislocating again and making it, making it completely incapable of lifting was quite high. Um, but we still pushed through. We still pushed through. We did things that we can to manage risk, and we did what we needed to do to make her ready for the competition. And the main thing I focused on for her was actually confidence. Um, her being confident coming into the com um, for people to come into the competition um, um, played a really big role. So we still hit some heavy numbers, but we decided to take it down to singles, right? 
and actually did a small thing. Actually helped her to take out the stability of the of the what part. the stability part of the squat and made her feel a heavy weight feel really good, and that was enough to come into this comp with a very good mindset. Um, and it's very important. I mean, this is definitely another topic, but the mindset of an athlete when preparing them is a big role when it comes to preparing someone for um, competition. Well, I suppose you you could almost say that say um, luck could be a short term goal mm. or the long term goal. Like yeah. it, it it can become a, a thing that you work on in overall to help her achieve her long term goal. Exactly. Um, motivation. So motivation. What are some points you have on motive and motivation? I mean, we originally talked about uh, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Motivation's a hard one. Well, the principles I always thought of is the the difference between intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation. And extrinsic motivation is someone who is dependent on a coach, who is dependent on coming session to session, is dependent on one of your, or many of your, few of your clients who need to be highly dependent on you um, um, and not just for advice but also for motivation you know yep. they need to be told constantly yeah um, we're intrinsically motivated people are people who have a drive or a purpose you know they have a very defined purpose and this is what we try to do we try to drive people in a direction of intrinsic motivation you know we develop we try to create a purpose with strength training you know, strength training is very purposeful. You know, there you, you get stronger, you lift heavier weights. Powerlifting creates a greater purpose. And for a lot of, not for everyone, but for a lot of people, um, starting out powerlifting has made people intrinsically motivated to constantly train. In the long term, if, if this helps them stick to it long term, they're more likely to hit their, their goal or their mission that we've, you know, that we've set, that we've set for them. Um, so we try to create this intrinsic, um, um, try to create this intrinsic motivation if they are extrinsically motivated we then have to wean them off slowly to make them intrinsically motivated for some people this is really hard for some people this is easy the difference would be is that if you know the p- difference between dependent and consulting is that you know if an athlete does something stupid or they get lazy I pretty much smack them across the head and tell them to get switched back on they're back in the game where an eccentrically motivation motivated person would have a different approach would have to be different yep do you have some examples um i think the only thing i'm the thing that um that's hard at the moment i suppose it, it sets in the same thing that we were saying then motivation as a word itself and 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 the, the understanding of the word um can be very misconstrued so some people don't act until they feel this motivation um when actually that itself is a reason why they're not achieving a Mm long-term goal i tell people to look at motivation as an objective thing yeah it comes and goes yeah some people are more susceptible to it some people are not yeah someone like bo who's extremely successful is consistent with her training but her motivation isn't always there she'll come in as like can't be fucked yeah you know but you know what she still does every single set yeah. Um, because of she's intrinsically motivated to achieve her to achieve her goals. Yeah. Um, so I think that's maybe where pretty much what we've just spoken about or today, where that is why it's such a um, important thing and why it can be so complex, I think, is that um, people that's, that wait to feel this motivation and only act when they have this motivation 
one, never reach a long-term gold, and two, it's generally there's a fail-safe or there's a problem with their short-term goals or the steps that they've put in place to reach your long-term goals. Um, they're not adequate, they're unrealistic, or they're not congruent with what they actually truly want, um, or a whole number of things there. Um, but you generally find people who don't sort of sit and wait for that motivation. The reason when people say, how do you do what you do every day, or why do you, how come you are consistent with what you do, it's because they don't sit and wait for that motivation. They actually goal set, they have a long-term goal, and every day they're, they're looking at these, they're doing things or they're looking at these short-term goals and they're measuring against how it's going towards their, their long-term goal. Um, I think something you wrote up there earlier was maybe not getting stuck on, um, like the goals can change. They can become more in-depth, they can become a bit more complex. Um, so maybe along the way with these short-term goals or these KRs that you're measuring, um, assessing at these points if you know um, something needs to change and not necessarily of like going from apples to oranges but maybe the long-term goal becomes more um, detailed becomes more um, I actually want to achieve more of this now or, or hang on this just has opened up more to me and I can see that there's more steps that I need to complete to get to that where I want to get to mm -hmm. um, that's my sort of take on motivation. It's a bit of a, I think it's a, a well, it's misconstrued word. And it's something that I actually do have to take an account for when it comes to periodization. Yeah. Understanding that, you know, um, that after a competition, there's no, there's a less, lot less motive. Most people, most a um, athletes will start to lose a lot of motivation at the end. Now, they'll feel quite motivated on the day and for a while after, but then it's a bit of, there's always tends to be a bit of lag. And this is documented in, in um, sports psychology and uh, in strength coaching is that the psychology of the of the lift and the motivation will start to generally drop not all the time not every time but generally after especially some big competition after a nationals or after pro roll there's a level of depression now if i don't control this properly with proper programming then um, um then the athlete can end up in a in, in a world of hurt, you know, spiraling in the wrong direction or trying to find the next fix. Yeah. So I might end up doing something. First off, I generally say, screw around for a bit. Do something that is fun, you know. And that could be for one week. Some people is like, do it one week. It's like, I'm ready. You know, give me, they're not necessarily back in the condition, but it's like, I want to do some training again. Um, some people take three or four weeks. I think I know Bo took about four weeks. She's come in and did this exercise she lifted. And it's good. She focused on enjoying herself and enjoying the training. And then when they first come back, wanted to come back into doing some proper programmed work, it's like, what do you like doing? And we'll try and fit it in the system. So they have a bit more of a choice. And this is more of the advanced level, like I'm talking about with Bose. Like she, she has, a, for the first three, four months, she had a lot of, she drove a lot where the program was going. And it actually, it didn't make much progress, but her psychology and, her, and the con consistency of training allowed her to keep, um, you know, it's going to allow her to keep her baseline of strength, her baseline of performance, her, um, her motivation into training. And now that we're starting to be more specific, slowly, we're slowly being more specific. She still has some drive, but now I'm being influencing some of a lot of decisions. Um, she is slowly getting her strength back again and enjoying it. And then as we get closer and closer to pro roll, it'll become more and more specific. 
and um, her motivation will increase as her motivation increases because she gets closer and closer to the competition. I already, I already manage her expectations that prep starts in October. And then she knows she's going to be prepared. She's going to be ready for that. And she'll be very motivated to start the program that I start to program for her, um, which will be very consistent with making her strong as possible. But the program's a bit more boring. Um, but she's highly motivated to um, do well at the competition. Um, psychology. So, so the, another driving and limiting factor is psychology. Um, correcting behaviours. So um, you look at food, food relationship, people thinking punishment of training, lifestyle, excuses. Yep. Do you have some points? Yeah, so I, I think when I look at this factor, I think um, an area that is obviously missing is is the... Um, we well a goal would be more necessarily the short-term goals would be around health orientation so not necessarily performance per se it might be actually creating um these are driving these are driving factors yeah yeah so when when you have when so someone comes in they have a gold these are things that you would have to assess um, and understand about the person so that when you set a goal one it can be achievable Mm -hmm. um and then two this will influence the short-term goals that you set along the way or the steps that you set along the way um, because at the end of the day these are some of the things that are going to stop a person from maybe potentially uh, reaching their long-term goal mm-hmm. so so we start to set smaller goals yeah so in the like... short-term goals with certain food you pick the language a person uses how often you check in with that person the type of uh responses to yes and no questions um why you might say this person can do this and why that person may not do that like these will will be all the um little uh factors that you would have to take into account when you like i said set the long-term goal and then also um even maybe why you might ask questions and want to know why they want to achieve that long-term goal so that could be another these could be other areas of to understanding someone's intentions for why they want what they want um, and then again go why the steps that you put into place would be there because of some of these some of these um yeah driving factors if that's the best way to put it so behaviors may change you know their food relationship yeah and understand um get to understand their body and they're more and under and, and try and generate some motivation behind health so they start to make decisions on what's good for them not um, this punishment reward system that we often see that you know their reward is eating crap at the end of the day because they punch themselves so hard yeah. throughout the week to make their progress so that's their reward but that relationship with food is a good relationship yeah. and it's so commonly seen in, um, amongst people yeah. um, punishment you know where they eat where they eat something they punish themselves too hard for training yeah. you know, or vice versa where yeah. um, you know they eat and go off the rail because they've failed somewhere mm-hmm. or they feel like they've failed somewhere oh. um, lifestyle excuses that you know um, again they want something but um, the problem is we they haven't they're not completing the small steps to get to that long-term goal. Um, I read something interesting the other day about this and I even had my own little bit of epiphany about it it's people um, actually put up a lot of barriers and I think this is the lifestyle excuse you can look at it as barriers um, and unknowingly sometimes 
don't even realize that they're actually putting up these barriers mm -hmm. so they have excuses but when you think it says that excuses you could actually say this is actually you um, saying no this is actually you resisting change because um, the reason you haven't achieved the long-term goal is because what you've been doing up until now um, is not getting you to where you need to go if that makes sense so if you have a long-term goal then you have to make changes and and this is where I think some of these the lifestyle excuses come into it is because there's actually resistance to change mm -hmm. and if you want it bad enough nothing would be an excuse um, there are obviously some there are legitimate, legitimate there are legitimate, legitimate things, things but, but then that could be where the goal would may need to be um, redefined or or if they just put on hold I mean, yeah, put on I mean hold. example example is like you know uh, extreme family issues where we've had people just obviously have to fly out of country and you know there's deaths in families and death in the family and that's obviously an understandable thing family always comes first um, so everything just gets put on, put on hold but other excuses such as finances Yep. Finance is not an excuse because if you wanted it bad enough, you'd figure out a way to do it. And we have this example with, um, we won't mention, um, um, you know who I'm talking about, yeah. right? And yeah. uh, um, they threw every excuse. It was like, what else did they throw at us? Um, do you remember? Um, yeah, it was time. Time? And um, it's can't commit. But they, they, had no, they had no job. All they did was... I reckon some of this falls into that in the next category which we're going to talk about which was the mindset mm. um the the them yeah. sort of things not, that like not bad enough I, to try and yeah, make any yeah and i think instead of looking at a negative context like because it's not like either say their priorities aren't where they need to be mm -hmm. for what they may need to achieve mm -hmm. and um you know that's not right or wrong that's just how it is but um i think sometimes this is why, like, go right back to the start again. Every time you sit down with someone and you're doing a gold, um, really delving into their intentions for wanting that gold. Um, and then, you know, when you're assessing their current situation, these will be factors that would come into play or why you'd ask the questions like limitations, financial, you know, start, set, set, set that, set the, um, get, gather that understanding in the, in the first part because you, you can generally assume, you know, what may it take for this to occur financially, um, time-wise. So I had a client come in once um, when we sat down and, and he had a, a goal to want to almost be bodybuilding, body fat percent. Um, but at the same time, when he spoke, he, he's like, I've got a, just had a newborn, um, I'm going to TAFE, I'm working. He had all these other priorities. And when I actually asked him, I was like, well, when it comes to the crunch, because it's going to, what, what do you prioritize first and list them? And he literally did it that way. And, and the bottom one was training. So I'm like, well, then this goal is not going to be realistic. We can get to health and we can get you to this where you can train this many times a week generally and eat, eat around these sort of type of calories and have this sort of type of flexibility. Mm -hmm. But until he was in a position to negotiate those priorities, his goal was not gonna be achievable. And people who are out there may be thinking like, it's like thinking like a meathead is like, well, just do it. You know, it's just like, just push through. It's like, you know, there are ways to push through it, but there's eventually ways that people will crumble. And long-term, I mean, we're talking about long-term success because extreme good success requires, you know, um, um, a lot of a lot of factors uh, lining up well, not just in training, but just in, in life in general. And I think it's 
all things are achievable, but at what cost and what risk and what are the long-term effects of that and will it be sustainable? And that's the question you have to ask because if people will keep going, but then will eventually, inevitably, nine times out of ten, will crumble and not back to where they were before yeah. because they can't sustain such a long-term, uh, 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 such an unsustainable approach. Yeah. Um, so then factors that we maybe do to change you know, the psychology is, you know, like we talked about, is changing their mindset, you know, being proactive with yep. their lifestyle changes. And then, yeah, I think corrective behaviours. So some people are unaware of their behaviours. It's just become a cycle of, it's their life. It's just what they know, it's what they do, and it's what, probably what they've done for a very long time. So they don't they don't see it any different. So mm-hmm. I think correcting behaviour is make them aware of the, the, these things that could be contributing to the reason why we can't meet short-term goals or those KRs to eventually get their long-term goal. And then also even just for health. So the next uh, driving and limiting factor is health and longevity. Um, some points we put here is um, uh, injuries, uh, joint health, niggles, uh, movement function, hormone, gut health, de- um, deficiencies, such as mental deficiencies. Um, these all are also factors that we have to play into account. You know, a factor... One thing I always uh, look at is when I'm trying to get people to eat a huge amount of calories is that we have to look at gut health. You know, how can, can someone, it's actually hard on the body to sustain a five, six, seven thousand calorie intake without proper gut health, without good gut health. Um, you know, hormonal health. You know, is the training going to impact their hormones or do they have a problem with their hormones? Is the training going to help it? Are we going to use interventions that are going to assist um, hormonal health? Um, Movement function, the way they move, not just in training, but daily. You know, we especially always talk about spinal health. You know, the way you sit, stand, walk. Um, we have some habits we try to um, give to people. Looking after joints, so you're looking at mechanics, lifting, you know, um, deficiencies, which then can have quite an immediate impact, such as your sodium intake, potassium, magnesium, vitamin D, uh, iron, all these things play, um, play a role in the way we recover, the way we... Um, function, sleep, move, um, feel. Uh, feel, way we absorb nutrition, um, etc. And then the last point is that something that you brought up was uh, support. Yeah, and I think touching, if you look at the big picture again, one of the, well, this is an integral part of how you can go about completing the steps you need for your long term goal. Um, and, and I think the support needs to be something that's assessed from the word get-go as well. Um, and this is like in all factors. So this is looking at family and friends um, for emotional. Um, then you've got people that are professional support. So you've got people in place that you can go to for education, you can go to for help, um, problem solving, all those sort of type of things. Um, that's only a real general overview of support, but it, yeah. it, it would go quite we, quite in-depth. We try to provide that as much as we can through consulting. Um, um, you help with a bit of counselling. We have um, a network of people and friends on the team that help support, help support each other. Um, um, we're always here ready to talk to individuals or... Um, I think another avenue of support can be resources. So resources, yes. Providing materials that people need, pointing them in the right direction, um, books, education, yeah, all sorts of things. Um, all right, that's about an hour. 
That's a good. That was a good podcast. Yeah, it's a really good podcast. It's quite um, in depth. It's quite in depth, and there's still more you can cover. And this is a general brief. With this, this originally was going to be looking at assessment protocols, um, but when I came, when I wrote down the first assessment was setting the goals. Like mm, this isn't an, an entire topic in itself. So these athlete management series are going. There's going to be a lot involved, and to understand why we originally came up with the athlete management series is that people wanted to know more about programming that was the common thing but you can't program if you don't understand all the things that it takes to manage an athlete because they are the guiding decisions on what we do so um, if you haven't listened to our last episode of this the scientific um, understanding the scientific method um, um, it'll pay to go back and listen to listen to that to help us um, I hope you understand this one and the following uh, podcasts.